We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nukhami, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of my very own beauty brand, Carmela Cosmetics, and business consultant. This is We Are Women, Beauty Redefined, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast features different women whose names you probably recognize. You've seen them, been following them, and might even think that they've always had it together. Listen in to hear the women you know and love share their journeys with self-acceptance and self-love, discovering their unique beauty and confidence in a society that for so long has focused on exemplifying a specific beauty standard. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women, beauty redefined. This week's episode features Esther Freeman, who is an Orthodox Jewish singer and also happens to be a dear friend of mine. I asked Esther to come on and share her story with us, and I knew that she would not disappoint. During this episode, Esther shares her journey of becoming a singer and talks about why she did not take the opportunity to go to Hollywood and get on the radio when she was 14 years old. Esther is also a single mom to four beautiful children and shared some of the struggles that have come along with being a single parent. She also shares do's and don'ts so others know what to say and what not to say to single parents or those who have gotten divorced. Esther also spoke about the importance of sharing your gift with the world and was very vulnerable and real with daily challenges that she goes through. She shared what she's hoping to accomplish with her music and Esther also offered to share some clips from her song, so I added those at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for those. I cannot wait for you to, to tune in to Esther's story and be inspired. Well, young Esther was vibrant, filled with uh, passion. Um, I was doing gymnastics. I taught myself gymnastics as a kid. I was very active. I used to rollerblade, loved going swimming. They used to call me the fish. I'd go with like, with like my grandparents to like their community pool and like the elderly complex and like all the like <laughs> elderly ladies, they knew who I was and they'd be like, oh, the fish is here. And I'd be swimming all the time, uh, rollerblading and um, taught myself gymnastics. I'd be doing flips all over the house. Um, when we were younger, if we watched a video, I'd be sitting like on the top of the couch in like a straddle. Like I'd be like, just sitting there like with my little split, whatever. <laughs> um, I'd be doing like flips in like the school uh, that I grew up in, like whether it was Taurus MS or Yaakov or Orlando Yeshiva. Um, and I was singing and I always wanted to be a singer, like always. I'd be singing around the house and my family would be like, okay, enough already, like stop, you know, like we've had enough, you know? I actually like recover like this really cute video of me when I was, I must've been like 10, I'm not even sure. Um, where I'm singing like the Pocahontas song. And like one day I really want to like sing with my younger self. Cause I think that that would be like adorable. We'll yes. see if I can do it. Yeah. So that was me, younger Esther, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's funny because we are friends and I never asked you if you've always wanted to be a singer. So now you just, you know, answer that question for me, but how did you actually get into this career? So you had the dream, but not everybody fulfills their dream, right? So how did it happen for you? So, um, okay. It's, it's like a process. I mean, when I was in base Yaakov, I maybe had like a couple solos 
And um, I was very shy. Actually, like we have a Basiakov uh, class chat. And on the chat, I just shared like a recent video that I just posted on social media of me just playing piano or even just singing like the obviously Stroll song from like Marvelous Midas Machine that I just did. <laughs> Um, and, and the girls were like, oh, Esther, we remember you like doing this. You fulfilled your dream. And like, we remember you when we were young doing like chesed on Shabbos and going to this elderly woman's house where I would like sing a song, but I would like be in the corner. I was so shy. I would like, when I would hit like the really high notes, I was like embarrassed of like looking at other people's faces. Like I didn't want to see their reactions of what I was doing. Uh, so I would actually put myself in the corner. She actually reminded me of it. My friend, she's like, I remember when you were at her house and you would sit in the corner and like <laughs> sing in the front of the corner. I was like, oh my gosh, like nobody would ever think that that was me, you know? Right. Um, when I was 14, I've spoken about this a couple times. I had a chance to be on the radio. Um, cool. Yeah, it was, it's interesting because I talk about it now and I'm like, okay, whatever. You know how many people get like an opportunity, but it never goes anywhere, you know? But um, I was at my sister's. Chabad house. And at that time I was listening to non-Jewish music and I was imitating like all the main singers like Christina Aguilera and like Whitney Houston. And I'd be like, you know, all the divas. And, um, I, you know, one day I think I want to put that on my social media, just do some imitations or something to like a Jewish song, I think like, yes. you know, sing it like Celine Dion <laughs> style or like sing it like Christina Aguilera style, but like sing a Jewish song. Um, so I sang, I was just singing and like one of the girls that go to her, went to her bas mitzvah club came to me. She's like, oh my gosh, you have such a great voice. I want to introduce her to my sister. She's in the industry. She does, she works with like in uh, sync and Backstreet Boys. And um, so she introduced me to her sister and her sister's like, okay, well, I want to see what we could do with you. Like you need, just need to ask your parents permission. And so I already knew what was going to happen. I wasn't like getting my hopes up. That was a pretty smart 14 year old. And I went to my mom and she's like, absolutely not and my father's like well how much money will you make <laughs> you know like uh, <laughs> typical Jewish dad and um the truth is is that for myself I I knew that I, this was not an industry I wanted to go into primarily because you know you look at where like the girls start they start like in the in the Mickey Mouse Club and yeah. they're all innocent and so young and naive and impressionable and then you see where they are today and you see like how the world can corrupt them and sexualize them. And that was not where I wanted to go to. And another thing that the woman said to me, she's like, oh, you'll probably have to get a nose job, but it'll be okay, you know, like as a side thing. And I thought to myself like, huh? Like if I want a nose job, I'm going to do it because I want to do it, not because somebody else is telling me to do yeah. it. And like, I was also like very conflicted just for myself, like about it. But um, yeah, I never went for it. And, uh, but I always said I wanted to be a singer and it happens to be that when I went to seminary, I picked a seminary that taught guitar. I knew that it was on their brochure and I didn't, cool. I didn't choose it for the girls. I didn't, I saw that they were teaching music. I was like, oh, I'll go there. Meanwhile, like I did not have the best year of my life. It was very hard for me. So it was Hashkacha Pratis. It was like divine providence. You know, I was trying to look at it from like the positive because here I am, I chose the seminary that I'm not having a great time in, but because of that, I had more time to myself to learn how to play guitar. And I sat in my room for hours and I wrote like 11 songs in seminary. Most of them, I will never ever show a soul <laughs> because they're just like really starting out, but they were like very deep and meaningful songs. I was a very deep spiritual girl. And I was also learning a lot of Hasidus at that time, which was like so powerful for me. And I felt like, wow, these are such impressionable messages that I really want to get out into the world. And it was a great way for me to also channel my own emotions that I was going through. 
And um, so I went, I wrote 11 songs and I went to like this dinky recording studio in Israel and I recorded them and I came back home and I was like, hi guys, like I have a CD. And my sisters were like, oh my God, like you actually did it. Like you really <laughs> did it. You said you were going to be a singer and you really did it. And um, so my sister, she runs Chabad of Miami Lakes in Florida and so I sang at her Chabad house and she was extremely, I guess, instrumental in getting me out there with the other Chabad houses. Um, so that just really took off, you know, and here I am today. I mean, I, my family has been very supportive, like, um, especially my sisters, they've always been like sharing and posting and telling people about me. I have a sister who does, um, motivational dance and fitness. And whenever she does her exercises, she puts on my songs for a cool down or like, a, you know, warm up or whatever it is. And so I'm really grateful that my sisters have been very like helpful in that aspect. I love that. Yeah. That's so sweet. I mean, you deserve it and you're super talented, by the way, but just backtrack for a second, because those 11 sure. songs, were they ever out? Because I discovered you years ago as a teenager, listened to some of your songs and I'm pretty sure it was those songs. No. So I actually, when I was in Sweden on Schluchus for a year, Schluchus is like when I became like one of like an emissary, like after seminary to go and you know, teach in a preschool in Sweden to help out a Chabad house. Um, I actually wrote a couple songs. Some of them I recorded in Sweden. <laughs> I can't even tell you how I recorded this. I plugged the guitar like straight into the modem. Like, is that what it's called? Like, what were the, like now we have computers with everything packed into one piece, but it was right. like the modem, like the computer, the actual computer. Okay. Um, <laughs> I plugged the guitar straight in. Now, usually like, like singer songwriters or even like engineers or producers, you don't do that. Like there isn't a box, a mixer that you plug it into first. And then you plug them into, into the guitar and to the computer. Everything's like, you know, filtered through something so that you can, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I just plugged it straight in. And then I like put the song songs out on what's called SoundCloud, which was like, back in the day, like what everybody used. I mean, people probably still use it. And also I believe it was called Reverb Nation on Facebook. Yes. I think that's where you probably heard me. So some of those songs are not necessarily from seminary. Um, those songs I've never released. I don't even know where that original CD is. My best, Aww. one of my closest friends, she's like, Esther, I loved that CD. I want that. And you took mine and you never <laughs> a copy and yeah uh, so that's so funny okay okay that makes sense yeah, yeah it's crazy how things have evolved okay yeah do you, I just like very random but do you ever think back to like when you were 14 and like think how things would have been different had you gone and you know gone public I guess with your singing um I do wonder about it but there's a part in my brain that doesn't think about it because my life is so solidified as yeah. a from Orthodox Lubavitch woman that in my mind, it's like, there could have been no other way, you yeah. know, like, but there are times that I think to myself, like, I'm so grateful. Like, I don't know that I want to be in that world. I mean, the truth is now that I'm at this point in my life where I feel like, okay, I have a handle on my Yiddishkeit. I have a handle on life. Um, and I've always been from, I feel like now, if I ever got out there in a way, like I would love to get out there to the non-Jewish world and sing for non-Jewish women and bring all women from all walks of life together somehow. And, you know, the song 
songs that I write are all in English and they're all messages that people can understand and are, you know, music is a universal language. Everybody understands music, like right. whether they even understand the, the lyrics or what they're actually saying or whatever language it's in, you could feel the soul of an artist speaking right to you or singing to you. Totally. So um, that's been like, you know, I have goals. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know the how. I don't even know if Hashem wants that from me, but um, I genuinely feel like there is this immense power inside of me that I'm not even like reaching an iota of what I'm capable of doing or what yes. Hashem wants from me. But I always say like, okay, whatever you want, Hashem. Like if this is the direction you want me to go in, that's where I'll go. You know, like you can't force something into the world. You can manifest it somehow, but obviously it has to be within what Hashem really wants for you and for your yes. mission. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. No, that's really beautiful, and I really hope that that you do get to where you want to get to in regards to getting your music out there. Because I I agree with you. I think women from all over could would really appreciate and love love to hear you sing. Not only the Jewish Orthodox or Jewish you know women's um, world. Now let's let's fast forward a little bit to you know you got married pretty young, right, and had a few kids in a row, and then it marriage it it, it didn't work out. And, um, you, you became a single mom, really? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Uh, I feel like, you know, I just recently went on my brother, um, Moses and Zipporah's, uh, Instagram <laughs> and TikTok, and they're pretty famous and pretty out there. And they're doing an incredible job, like expressing Judaism to the, to the whole world. Uh, they have a lot of followers that are very interested and intrigued by our customs and our laws. And I just recently spoke about just covering my hair as a divorced woman. Um, and we discussed like why I cover my hair, why do not all divorced women cover their hair? And even still, I mean, I, we didn't even touch upon the fact that not all Jewish women cover their hair even when they're married. So, um, but one thing I did say is that, you know, everybody has their path and their their way of connecting with God and their way of connecting with Hashem. You know, um, I feel like I'm, I'm a lot wiser. <laughs> uh, I'm older now. <laughs> I feel like that could be put into a song. Um, being divorced has its challenges and it has its beauty and advantages. Um, I would say that since I was very young, I, I knew who I was. I really did. Like I knew who I was. Um, I was pretty stubborn as a kid. I was not chutzpahic. It's interesting. I was chutzpahic means like I wasn't disrespectful, um, but I was very stubborn. Like if I, if I wanted something really, like I would stick to it. Or if I knew something so deep in my soul, I would stick to it. It's one of the reasons why I'm from today. Like there were so many challenges in my life where I had every opportunity to say, ah, oh, you know what? Forget this. Like, I, you know, I saw a lot of hypocrisy, which people can see from all walks of life. There's people using whatever it is to their advantage to hurt others. Um, and I didn't want that to affect me. Even when I was 14, let's go back to then. I know we're talking about divorce, but when I was 14, I made a decision that I saw, I saw a lot of hypocrisy in different areas. And I thought to myself, you know what? There have been people who have been practicing Judaism for thousands of years. There must be something more to this that I am not seeing for myself. And so I went away from home and that's when I started learning and I started learning Hasidus, which really saved my life. Music saved my life. The Rebbe saved my life. Um, being Orthodox saved my life. And um, I would say that the same thing holds true even within divorce. That for me, staying true to who I really am at my core, which was challenged many, many times, even while I was married, um, and after I got divorced, 
I would say that really listening to my inner voice was so important. And my inner voice told me to be the person that I always was. And yeah, I've, I fluctuated. I've had moments. Um, I'm human. I, you know, I've had, I have tremendous vulnerabilities and, um, but there are moments when, when I'm really down in the dumps and I say to myself, like, okay, what can I do for somebody else right now? Because thinking, thinking about all this stuff isn't really helping me. Now I do allow myself to feel, I also believe very strongly in therapy. I believe very strongly in having time to oneself, um, having healthy time to oneself, believe surrounding oneself with good friends who truly care about you. If you don't have friends, you got to go out and make some friends. Uh, we know that from Perkeyevos, um, ethics of our fathers, like buy yourself a friend. Like even if you have to just go out there and buy yourself a friend to the extent of, I don't think it means like financially go out and Acquire. pay someone to be your friend. Acquire, like yeah. really like invest. That's what it means, invest in a friendship. And I think that- um, it's so, so, so important. And most of the time I even think to myself like, oh, I don't want to bother somebody. I don't want to like burden someone with my issues or what I'm going through. Um, and, and that's not so healthy. You know, uh, I also feel like being a public figure and being a person that is inspiring others really has tremendous um, value to it, not only to the world, but also to myself, to my children. That has kept me very much like in check when you have responsibilities. Um, it holds you, it holds a certain, it holds yourself in esteem. It holds yourself in a, in a specific place. And it's so important. Like one of the things that I just recently mentioned was that in Judaism, we're always trying to go higher. Like we don't go down in holiness. We try to go higher in holiness. And obviously we're human and there's like spirals and we, we have our moments, but um, divorce is not easy. I don't recommend it. It's not. Um, but then again, I don't recommend unhealthy marriages either. So uh, it works both ways. I think that um, striving for a healthy mentality, striving for um, connecting with our creator, connecting with God, connecting with others, connecting with oneself, that really helps a person through everything. And betachan, which is trust, emuna, belief in God, and trust that God really wants the best for each person and whatever it is that I'm going through that I say to myself, what is the message that I can take from this that Hashem really wants from me, that God really wants from me, that I can like learn from and grow from? Yes, th that is so beautiful. All Everything that you just said is so beautiful. And I could attest to the fact that you literally practice what you preach and you are the poster child for what, like being a single mom, because it, as you said, you know, like it's true. You really have to take care of yourself and that's how you're able to take care of your children and just be the person who you are. You know, you always look beautiful. You always look put together. I know you make time for friends and, you know, I just, I, I love it. And, and also you mentioned about your children, like looking up to you and, and you know, that, you, that you're a role model for them. Um, that's so true. It's like, it's like you have four souls who literally depend on you for everything. So yeah, you're, you're just, obviously you're doing a beautiful job. Listen, um, just, I, I want to like, just reiterate that there are days that I stay in my pajamas. Right. There are days that I'm like, I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to go on social media. I don't want to do anything for anyone right now. And that's normal. Like, I don't want anybody listening to this and being like, oh my gosh, she's so perfect. I am not perfect. I am, 
Uh, I don't want to be on a pedestal at all. Um, I think that 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 gives me too much like um, responsibility over other people's like, you know, lives and emotions. Yeah, yeah. And um, I can only handle mine and my children <laughs> at this point. Maybe a future husband, um, <laughs> you know, um, I will say that whatever goes on on social media, everybody's truly, for the most part, trying to show the best versions of themselves. And that is how we should show up for the people in our lives is to try to show the best version of ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean being perfect. That doesn't mean being flawless. That doesn't mean always being happy. You know, we have such a thing called toxic positivity, which I feel like you're supposed to acknowledge your feelings, acknowledge what you're going through. Don't hide it. Don't run away from it. Acknowledge it and then try to see the good in it. But to, I definitely try not to suppress. Um, right, and right, like I sure. said, there are days that I don't feel like doing anything and it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. And I don't encourage it. Um, you know, people come to me from all over asking for advice, people who are going through divorces, people who are thinking of divorce. And I am very brutally honest with them, you know, um, and I don't automatically just say, oh, yeah, I get divorced, you know, live on the bright side of things. You know, I've had friends who tell me, Esther, you did it right. You got married, you had your kids, and now you're living the good life. And I look at them, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you saying? Like, thank God. Yeah, thank God I have my children. I'm really, really grateful. But like, that's not the good life. The good life is to be in a healthy family dynamic where children are loved and nurtured and supported by both parents and both parents are loved and nurtured by each other. So that is the ideal. But right. I you know, just had to say that. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And yeah, it's it's crazy, by the way, the assumptions that people make, because from the yeah. outside, like your friends or whoever, the, these particular friends who have said that this to you. But um, I also wanted to add on to something you mentioned earlier, which is about feeling bad about leaning on other people. And I just want to really I want to emphasize the point that it is so important to lean on other people. That's what your friends and family are here for. You know, obviously, you know, the difference between what should be spoken about in therapy versus like your friends. Mm. But that's what we're here for. You know, like, don't feel that I remember even it's so funny, because you're, you're very much a giver, you're not a taker, but sometimes you have to take. That's part of, you know, the situation that you're in now as a single mom, right? And even even time, time-wise, you know, I remember when we were sitting in the car, you were showing me your songs, which I wanted to hear. I was, I genuinely wanted to, and I was enjoying the time you're playing your songs for me. And like, you apologize for taking time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> right, like that. It's so funny. And meanwhile, I was literally sitting there enjoying myself. Like I was at a performance, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's really yeah. funny because it's just important to remember that, that it's really, it really is important to take sometimes. And that's what, and there are, there are times in, in our lives where sometimes we're going to be taking more and sometimes we're going to be giving more. And sometimes when we take, we're actually giving. And that's an important thing to remember as well. Very true. You, when you give other people the opportunity to give, it's a tremendous gift, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. It's very interesting that you say that. Like, I, I think to myself, like, I, I try to find the balance between having, like, feeling my power, which is given to me by Hashem, right? And sometimes when I feel that power, I feel like, oh, this doesn't feel right. This feels like ego. Like, this is not, this doesn't feel right. So I'll, like, push it down. Because it's hard to find that balance of like putting myself out there, you know, 
pushing for myself, but then also not being for myself. So I'm always on that flex. Like it's one of the reasons why I really, really, really need a manager (laughs) who could do that for me because happens to be I've never once called, made a cold call for a gig ever. Everything has always been word of mouth. And I'm so grateful that I've been afforded these opportunities to be able to sing. But like, there's so much opportunity in the world. And yes, I have so much to offer. Like, I question myself. I'm like, why am I, why do I not put myself out there? Like call them up and like, tell them what I, like, if you had something that could like cure cancer, like, no, I'm not saying my music cures cancer. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, Forget. if you knew, if you knew something that could benefit so many people, right. You would go out there and be like, what do you mean? Like, you got to do this. Like, this is amazing. I, I, like, this will help you so much because you care about them, right? Like, why am I not like, well, my music is amazing. And I, you know, because I just can't, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I just don't know. But like, if I have friends who do it for me, that's wonderful. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it, it's right. self-promotion is definitely difficult. No question about it. Yeah. Very um, difficult for me. But yeah, but you just made a really great point also about about, you know, no matter what someone has to give, if they, if you have something that could benefit someone else, you really should be getting that message out there somehow, you know, um, even, even though it's usually difficult, I don't think it's easy for anyone self-promotion. I also don't want to sound like self-righteous either. Like there's that balance of like, I don't know how to do it. Like, I I mean, I want to be as real and authentic as possible, right? Like not be fake. Nobody wants to be fake. Nobody, uh, inten- at least I, I would think that nobody intentionally tries to be fake. Um, I don't personally want to feel, when I feel too much of myself, I start feeling like, okay, that's not an appropriate feeling. So like, even when like I get off the stage and I've been on stage with like some, I've shared the stage with some women, let's say in Chabad that are big women in Chabad, like very well-known, massive public speakers. And they'll come over to me afterwards and they'll be like, oh my gosh, Esther, like, I I love your voice. Like, you're so talented, your voice, your music. And I'll be like, thank you, Baruch Hashem. And then like, I'll walk away thinking to myself like, okay, Hashem, please keep me humble. Please keep me humble, but don't humble me. Please don't humble me. You know, like I've been, (laughs) I've been through so much that it's like, I feel like everything in my life has just been a reminder because who knows, like you asked me before, like if I, if I would have been on the radio and I would have gotten so big, who knows where, maybe my ego would have been like massive. I don't know. Like I've been humbled tremendously throughout my life. Hashem has made me humbled. Like there are times I'm really like, okay, Hashem, like I'm, I'm truly humbled before you. Like I, I, what, what do you need from me? Like, I'm just here for you. You know, like it's that, it's that juxtaposition of living for oneself, living for others and living for God. And so finding that healthy balance, because all of it is true and all of it is important because we have the world was created for me. But at the same time, like we know from like ethics of our fathers, like, but I'll go to the earth like a drop, like, like a maggot. Like, I know that sounds terrible. Oh my God. Okay. (sighs) No, but like, it's, it's knowing your place in life, you know? Yes. Yeah, for sure. It's balance. And I think it's, yeah. it's a constant work. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. I, do we ever achieve it? I don't know. I, I, I don't no. think so. Yeah. Like <laughs> someone once asked me, I had gone to an event to speak as a divorced mother because it was for a program for my extended family, which is a program for children from divorced homes. It's an incredible organization. And they asked me to speak on a panel of divorced mothers. Um, 
And one of the, no, there was a divorced father there also. We were speaking about what it means for our children, what our children need, et cetera, how it is to be divorced. Um, we were speaking to the staff that works with the children. And one guy asked me, he says, so what is the litmus test to know that, you're, that your children or you have healed? And I said, healed? There is no such thing. You are never healed. There's no such thing. Life is constant, constant growth, constant work, constant. It's ex- it could be exhausting sometimes, you know? And there's no such thing. When we think that we're striving to be healed, we're under like this false pretense that that's it. Like then I'll be healed and then I'll be healthy. I'll be a healthy human being. No, we have constant inner struggles and that's the norm. That's what's normal. It's not normal to be perfect floating angel. We're not meant to be angels. We're not. That's why we were put in a human body. It's totally true. It's com- it, we are never completely healed. That is why there is constant self-work and you know different self-help books out there to get us to get to a place of healing. Not healed, but right. healing, right? Healing. So it's just, yeah. Um I I agree with you. But um let me ask you, what are some challenges um that you've had to face and overcome as a single mom? Ah, doing the work of like five people in one body. I'm still not overcoming that. Um, It's very hard. Challenges, I would say that getting out of my own head and narratives, I'd say that, you know, I think to myself like, oh, nobody's inviting me to their Shabbos table because A, B, C, and D. I'll make up like these, you know, things in my head. Um, And really that's not the case. Everybody is so busy. People are struggling. And there have been times that I've put myself out there and just literally wrote on a mom's group, hey guys, I have four beautiful children. We would love to be guests for Shabbos, you know, like, and people have been like, oh, sure. Like, of course, you know, like, um, I think that also, you know, I have to fend for myself a lot, which is very hard. And I think that all I want is to be so in touch with my femininity and like, heal the broken femininity inside of myself. And that's hard when you're playing the role of two people, the masculine and the feminine. And I have three boys. I have one girl, Baruch Hashem. And those three boys, Baruch Hashem, they have a father, but when they're by me, I need to be both father and mother. So um, that becomes very challenging. And that's not to say that like, married people might not have the same, that's not to say that they don't have the same issues. Like, I feel like the world that we're in now is all about recovering our divine feminine and our divine masculine. Yeah. And even within ourselves and in the world at large. And so I would say that that's a challenge that I've been working on um, because having to fend for yourself means that you have to be more in touch with your masculine side and more, um, more, I guess what, I don't like using the word aggressive, but like, having to protect me and my children, having to protect my, uh, I don't know, just a number of things. I would also say that um, it's a series of choices being a a single parent. Um, I'm going to appeal also to the men on this side as well, because um, any single parent has their challenges. And I would say that for me, it's been a series of choices. Like I choose this over the other, and it's not good or bad. It's just a matter of having to make sacrifices. So For instance, sometimes I will have to choose being there for my kid over finances, but they all affect each other. So it's, you know, I live 
in the moment. I live in the now. I have to. Like, and I think that that's what was amazing for me. I, I, th that's the truth. When I was younger, I'd be so worried about the future. Oh, I just want to be this. And I want to be a good mother. And I want to be a good wife. And I want to be a chassidish person. And I want to be from, and I want to be like orthodox. And I want to be able to keep all, everything. And I want to, I want to be the best person that I can be. And, um, it's a series of choices. <laughs> like yeah. I have, because of that, I have to live in the now and living in the now takes on a completely different role that I don't worry as much, actually. I like literally live, I try to really live in the present and I can't think about the future because I have no idea what's in my future. And it's really helped me focus on like what really matters and what is really important. Um, ultimately, everything has an effect on the other. So um, if I'm not able to be there for my kids, then my kids might feel that absence which is okay. Cause sometimes, you know, parents like children can't get their parents all the time. And then if I'm not able to manage the finances because I'm focusing on my kids or because I'm focusing on health or because there's, you know, there's a, a number of things, then I can't, right. I just can't. So I've allowed myself in a lot of ways to be human and not compare myself to other people to what other people are doing, putting out there into the world and just looking at, okay, what am I truly capable of with my circumstances? You know, I've had tons of people call me and say, Esther, why are you not putting out your music? And why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? And da, 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 da. you're making excuses. And I'm like, you know what? Like I will allow myself to make an excuse, even though I, I call my kids, my four excuses. That's what I have. <laughs> when I'm when I do something, I'm like, well, I have four excuses. What about you? Like <laughs> the truth is, is that I'm just one person. I really am. I live in Brooklyn by myself. Like there's no family here. Um, I don't have like everybody has a life. Everybody is busy, and I don't want to be a burden onto anybody else, you know? So yeah. um, there's challenges with that. Um, yeah, and I'm sure many other divorce or, or single parents can relate to everything that yeah. you're saying. Is there anything that you would want to, to tell people about ways to be there for single parents, for you, um, do's and don'ts, you know, reaching out, like, like what should they, what should they be doing to help out? Um, okay. So I actually wrote a post on Facebook once about what not to say or ask a single parent like the number one thing is like, well, there's two number one things. One is like, um, why did you get divorced? <laughs> like, uh, um, that's not a question. I mean, there's ways to ask that question to understand, but it's not a why. Because there's no one one reason ever to anybody. Nobody gets divorced just for one reason. Right. Um, it's not an overnight thing. It doesn't happen overnight ever to anybody. Um, and then the other thing is, um, would you consider getting back with your ex, oh with your former husband? I'm just like, you know, or like, have you thought about? So really the truth is I try to say to myself, like people mean well, like they're not trying to hurt me. They're not trying to be disrespectful. So I really try to like respond in a healthy, nice way and try to like help them understand like why that's not the best question to ask. Um, there are so many things that like, you know, I have, I have some friends who do reach out to me 
um, hey, Esther, I'm just thinking about you. How's it going? Um, recently, a friend reached out to me and said, like, Esther, I'm just going to speak from my heart. Stop posting to social media. <laughs> just sit down at the piano or the guitar for 15 minutes a day. And then, like, I was like, how did you even know that I don't even play on my own anymore? Like, I haven't, I don't sing to myself anymore. Like, I don't, I don't focus on that at all, which is so not me. I used to be singing all day. I used to be playing all day. And so because of that, I actually really sat down at my guitar and I was like, I started playing a song that I haven't sung in years. And I, my daughter comes out of the room. And she's like, mommy, you wrote that song. I'm like, yeah. She's like, that's an amazing song. Like, why, why are you not recording it? Like, that's incredible. I was like, oh, I forgot about this song. I don't know. Like, I never even sing it at concerts. Like it's, you know, um, I would say uh, reach out to the divorced people in your community, single parent people in the community, because it's not just divorced. It's also, you know, widows and widowers, right. which by the way, yes, they get, they might get more attention in the beginning, but then they just become the, like the rest of us. People forget people, you know, everybody moves on and like widows and widowers are left to pick up the pieces and divorced people were left to pick up the pieces. And, um, Yes, there is a bit more of a stigma regarding divorced men and women. There's a lot more of a stigma there. Um, I try not to pay attention to it. I really do. I just try not to pay attention to any negativity or anything that people might say. Um, it doesn't define me and it doesn't define any person. Anything that anybody says about anybody doesn't define a person. And um, most often, like we're pushed to a certain place where we're like, is this my narrative? Is this my truth? Is this like who I really am? Or is this like what other people think? And is that is their reality? Is this a reflection of who they are, et cetera? So um, reach out to them, call them, don't judge them. Like everybody has an internal world, an entire internal world of thoughts and feelings and a history and a childhood that you might not know about. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. And uh, even like if you hear Lashon Hara, like, like somebody speaking bad about another person, even if somebody starts describing, oh, that person got divorced because of this, like you weren't there. You weren't in the marriage. You were not part of that. And even saying to somebody, oh, it takes two to tango. That's also like condescending. And that also can make a person feel invalidated. So there's a fine balance between listening to another person and validating them and saying like, I'm so sorry you went through that. And that must've been so tough and like finding empathy, you know, but also not allowing that to create your narrative of that, of their former spouse. So there's, you know, there's healthy ways of reaching out to people, of being there for people. Just think before you ask somebody a question, think before you say something to somebody, if, because you don't know, if you were in that situation, how would you want to be treated? You know? 100%. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Sure. We're going to kind of backtrack a little bit and end on a lighter note. So, um, Esther, that wasn't I would light. Love for that wasn't light. I mean, <laughs> no, like, oh, you're right. It was very heavy. Pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, Esther, I since you love singing and performing, and I love listening to you, I'm sure everyone else does as well. Could you sing us a little? Um, <laughs> I know you're really good at at these. Could you do a Celine Dion impression for us? Okay. Okay. Sure. There were nights when the wind was so cold. 
Had my body frozen bad if I just listened to it right outside the window. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I'm a little hoarse right now, but yeah. No, that was so great, Esther. Oh my gosh. Um, and I hope whoever whoever you know is listening is gonna go and check out your music or on Spotify. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so you have written some beautiful songs throughout the years, some of which I have the privilege of having on my phone. Don't worry, I never share them with anyone, but I, I feel very cool. And you know, I really enjoy listening to them. They're amazing. Um, so my question for you is, what is your goal? What are you attempting to do with your music? Thank you. That's a great question. Um, so first off, a lot of the songs that I write are based on personal experiences and like Hasidus, which is like deep esoteric wisdom of the Torah. Um, my intention is to impart like this tremendous gift that we have, this knowledge that we have of life and the world around us and our purpose here in this world. And I think that a lot of people are struggling with um, finding their purpose and finding their essence and what they're really here for. Um, it's a cause of a lot of depression in this world. And, um, I, you know, a lot of times the songs will come to my mind, you know, and each, each song has like a different process of like how I write the song. And people are always like, how do you write the song? And I'm like, I don't really know. Sometimes like one line will come to me and then it'll take me a couple of years to figure out the song. And then I'll have a tune or I'll have like, you know, just the lyrics and it'll just flow. Um, I would love to be able to put out very high quality music. Um, I have high quality music that I haven't released yet. Uh, partially per because of finances that and also like it takes a lot to put out a music video and I would love to be able to put a team together and put out real high quality content again I am a dancer I'm a gymnast I actually um, have learned a little bit of trapeze <laughs> which cool. I would love to incorporate into a music video um, I would love to bring the kind of talent that they have in the secular world, the kind of shows that they have, high quality shows to the Jewish world for the Jewish women. I know that there are a lot of singers who are doing doing something like this. And I really like hats off to them. I always tell them, I don't know how you do it. I admire you. You're incredible. Um, I firmly believe that there is space for everyone in this world to showcase their talents. And um, I would love to be able to bring women together, like raise that divine feminine through for the whole world. I feel like the world needs that. Yeah, I love that. And you will, you will, you know. Um, yeah, you have this really amazing, uh, first of all, talent, you know, just the singing and songwriting, but also everything comes from your, like deep in your soul. And it's so, it's like the energy that you hold, that you put out there is so powerful and empowering. and. Um, you know, I, I hope that if anyone is listening and they haven't heard you yet, that they go and check check out your music because it's just so beautiful and you're beautiful, you know, so it's just. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. If you had one message to give over to the next generation of women, what would that message be? My, this message would be about inherent value. I heard an incredible little muscle, a little parable this past Shabbos. Um, from a woman who is uh, talking about inherent value, especially within teenagers, um, which I find also travels with us into our adulthood. This message, she asks girls and she says to them, if I was holding a hundred dollar bill, would you want it? And all the girls were like, yeah. She's like, what if I like crumpled up that hundred dollar bill? Would you still want it? She's like, they're like, yeah. She's like, what if I like put it on the ground and stepped on it? Would you still want that hundred dollar bill? 
So they're like, yeah, of course. She's like, what if I like buried in the ground and smushed you with like mud and dirt? Would you still want it? And they're like, yeah, why? Because it still retains its inherent value. The point of this parable, this mushal, which would be called the nimshal, which would be, I don't know, the explanation or I forgot the fancy word for this, um, would be that just like this $100 bill retains its inherent value, every single person has an inherent value that nobody, nothing, not even something that they do can destroy, which means that even a criminal who has done the worst thing, they can, if they work on themselves and they raise the bar for themselves and they correct their behavior, they can now tap into that inherent value that they have. How much more so people who are not criminals, who are not, who are just innocent people who just are so hard on themselves. And we women, we, we know we're very hard on ourselves, okay? Especially with what's going on in the world and how much we have to compare ourselves to and et cetera, et cetera, okay? You have an inherent value inside of you that nothing can destroy, that nobody, nothing anybody does to you, nothing anybody says to you can take away from you. So I want you to walk away from this conversation knowing that no one can take your inherent value. You are a shining $100 bill, if not obviously even invaluable and much more. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about you, follow your music and stay up to date with what you're doing? So I am on Spotify and all streaming platforms, YouTube. I have some videos out on YouTube. I have actually a duet with me and my daughter singing uh, a song that I didn't write, but it's a beautiful song nonetheless. Uh, and I also, I'm on Instagram at Esther's Music. And I just got onto TikTok, but I have not posted anything yet. I really like, I think I'm maxed out on social media platforms. I'm on Facebook as well under my name, name Esther Freeman. Um, yeah, that's how you reach me. Okay, awesome. Make sure to stay on until the end because we are posting some clips of some of Esther's hit songs for you to listen to and get a feel of her vibe, of her music and her beautiful talent. Thank you so much, Esther, for joining me today. It's such a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me, Nahami. And also, let's get together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll give you a private concert. The house is crashing down. There goes no. the love. The heaven's burning down. Where is the love? The thunder keeps rolling. The tears don't stop pouring. Where is the love? Judgments made, evils paid. Ahead. You've only just begun to know yourself and realize what you're supposed to do in life. Stay true. Love yourself. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K and on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard.